Hello everybody, welcome to Wire Castles Round, a history podcast for people who don't know much about history. My name is Piper and I am the, I guess, resident history as idiot is what I've been referring to myself as. Hello, my name is Patrick, I am resident amateur historian um, and person who tries to answer questions about topics that I am surprised with. Um, and uh, yeah so thank you so much to everybody who watched our first episode that was released earlier this month Um, we've had some really lovely feedback and comments uh, from people so uh, yeah thank you so much and please keep sharing the crap out of what we're doing because uh, newbie podcasts uh, always need a little bit of extra boosting so uh, if you missed last week's episode um, basically the the structure of our podcast is we're going to be well I'm going to be asking Patrick some questions about history uh, that I'm not really sure about myself and then Patrick is going to attempt to answer them and uh, Patrick doesn't know what questions I ever ask (laughs) so uh, this month basically um, I thought I would talk a little bit because this month is um, in the UK at least uh, LGBT history month and something that I find really fascinating about um, the people's perception of um, LGBT history is um, people kind of think that like we sort of magically appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> and um, I know a lot of the time, especially like in video games, people will, you know, there'll, there'll be some kind of representation in a video game and people will suddenly like jump in with, oh, that's not realistic because it, this wouldn't have happened X amount of years ago. Um, and like, yeah, I guess I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that. And sure. like, is that the question? Like, did... That wasn't really a question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like, <clears throat> what is realistic? And like, what is like, how long have LGBT people been around? And I know that answer is generally speaking forever, but yes. what are the some end. like, yeah, <laughs> thank you for coming to this episode. <laughs> like, I guess the question is like, what is the history of lgbt people and like why is there so much like thought process why is the thought process that we just sort of appeared out of nowhere and and like it's a very recent thing so to put my cards on the table i'm queer i'm bisexual and by gender and i'm non-binary and bisexual hi so we're we're both oh i'm waving at the camera (laughs) so we're both queer um and we're both white and we're both british so first of all the thing with lgbt people is as you say we've been around forever Mm. um because people's sexuality is yeah sure like it's mutable it changes throughout the course of people's lives um you know people's relationship with their gender can change all this sort of stuff but it's pretty dead certain that even if you just look at you know gay people lesbians bisexual people they have been around forever um, and so is everyone else, trans people, asexual people. We've all always existed across all cultures at all times. Um, and really, the reason why people think that isn't the case is because a very good job was done of attempting to suppress and oppress people who are queer, um, specifically and particularly by um, European christian empires uh, and also um, in other parts of the world by other dominant cultures that decided that being not straight was a bad thing Mm. Um, my own knowledge is on this topic a little bit limited Um, so again as always when i get things wrong please tell me in the comments please message us on facebook or on twitter or whatever 
tell me I'm wrong. It's great. I love to find out I'm wrong because I can expand my mind. Learning is good. Learning is good. <laughs> so just to look at like the ancient world, and by that I'm going to talk about the sort of stereotypical Greco-Roman period and a little bit before that. Um, there's lots and lots of graffiti in places like Pompeii and Herculaneum that survives today. There's surviving writings that mention, you know, homosexual relationships. Um, we know that the ancient are... Greeks weren't they like supposed to, supposedly like super super so, queer? So well, kind of. I mean, one of the things that's curious, one of the things we have to remember is that when we talk about queer history and LGBT people through time, is that cultures in different times and places excuse me, have had very different relationships to sex and gender and ours does today. So when we talk about homosexual Greeks or lesbian Romans or bisexual you know, Persians or anything like this, to some extent we're going to be putting our own interpretation of what we see their relationships as being. Right, so um, when you say that, do you mean like, you know how people are like, oh, you know, person this person was in a relationship, this person like lived with her housemate and they were best friends and we are lo looking at that and being like, well obviously they were lesbians, but it might not be the case and it might just be that they were really good friends. Or do you mean the other way around? Both. Okay. Both ways. Okay. So <clears throat> to take an interesting example, there is a famous tomb in Egypt of two men um, and this tomb, they're buried as though they're a married couple all of the war art and paintings of them and the descriptions of them takes does is done in such a way as to show them as a married couple in exactly the same way as male and female married couples appear mm. in Egyptian tombs from that period. Um, the way that they are drawn is the way that married couples are drawn and it's very clear when you look at that that they were a married couple. They were both men, they were living together, they were buried together and everything that is shown about them in their life story is that of a married couple that's really beautiful I didn't know that um I think off the top of my head one was a priest and the other was a scribe or something like that I mean they were quite they're quite well off they're quite members of the, the educated Egyptian elite of that period and apologies I can't remember off the top of my head exactly when this was but it, it, you know, it's ancient Egypt basically um and when that was first uncovered by archaeologists, by Egyptologists, they went to very great lengths to explain away all these things. Like, oh no, they couldn't have possibly they been married. They couldn't possibly have been married. They couldn't possibly have been gay. All this sort of stuff. Because it didn't fit the narrative of, you know, a virile, strong, masculine, ancient culture that, you know, conquered big chunks of the... Uh, North Africa and the Middle East and um, it didn't fit in with people's ideas of sex and sexuality and gender mm. um, and we know now that looking back what was done by those archaeologists and Egypt Egyptologists that uncovered that tomb and did work on the tomb and the people that were in it that actually their findings or their conclusions were probably wrong and that actually were looking at a, a gay couple um, whether or not they themselves saw themselves as gay or whether they saw themselves as being, one of them was taking the part of a woman, or we don't know, and we're never going to know, really. As it was there such, I suppose this is something that 
we're not going to know, but was there such thing as, like, was it, like, considered... Was there, like, a normal idea of, like, relationships? Like, these days, it's, like, a normal, in quotes, you know, relationship that is, um, in society's standards at least, you know, a man Mm. and a woman, Mm. and, you know, you have a nuclear family and all that stuff. I suppose that would have been very different, but would would there have been, like, a genderless, like, idea of that? Um, Again, very difficult to say with any certainty, because... The simple answer is that every culture is different and every culture has a different idea of what a, a family looks like. Um, our version of a modern family, the nuclear family, as the name implies, is actually really modern. Um, for a very, 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 very long time throughout history, throughout the world, families are large groups of people living in reasonably small areas together. And indeed, in lots of countries, that's still the case. You still have extended families living in one building or in one collection of buildings or whatever. Um, it's not just a man, a woman and children. You're looking at, you know, parents, but also the brothers and sisters of those parents and mm-hmm. the parents of those parents and maybe even the grandparents and the children. And you're all in an, in, an, in, a, in, a, in one building or in a collection of buildings or whatever, or in the same village or, you know. Um, so we know, or we can make an educated guess about the very ancient world, but we know a lot more about to go back to the Greeks, to go back to the Romans, about their sorts of relationships and how they saw people who were gay or lesbian. Mm. So we'll start with the lesbians because... Start with the lesbians. Start with the lesbians. Not only is it the first letter in the, in the LGBT <laughs> uh, acronym, but it is also they owe their name to the Isle of Lesbos and the woman... Isle of Lesbians. Well, yeah, there was a court case about that, but I'll go into that later. So there was a poet, a Greek poet called Sappho, um, who probably, in modern parlance, is bisexual. Um, maybe a lesbian. Maybe bisexual. It's hard to tell. The likely thing is most people consider her a lesbian. Certainly, you know, the fact that she lived on Lesbos, that gave the name lesbian to women who love women. Um, also sapphic from Sappho. And the reason I say we don't actually know for certain whether she was bisexual or lesbian is because she seems to have had relationships with at least a couple of men. But there's so, also... uh, there's quite a few lesbian like lesbians today would still have relationships yeah, yeah, with yeah. men. Yeah, yeah, This is maybe the thing. before we... they realise they're lesbians. Right, exactly. We don't know. We can't say for certain whether Sappho was definitely a lesbian or definitely bisexual or something else or she, she saw herself the, different she is like the er lesbian essentially she's the, the person that because of her poetry because of her erotic writings because of her um fame as a as a queer person as a queer writer um she essentially gives her name and the name of the island she lived on to lesbians and the idea of sapphic women mm. um just to quickly touch on the thing about Sappho and men, at least one of the men was probably made up as a joke because you can roughly translate his name as essentially Mr. Man of Man Island. <laughs> and there's another translation that roughly translates as basically Mr. Big Penis <laughs> what? of Penis Island. That it's, can't so be real. It's... It is weirdly one of That's these daft hilarious. history things. So That's amazing. it's essentially we think essentially Mr. It's, Big a, Penis. it's a joke 
that Sappho made because someone said, oh, why aren't you married? And he said, oh, I am married. I'm married essentially to Mr. Man of Man Island. Um, now... So that's one of the people that we know that she was in a relationship well, with. Well, she's, probably... she's probably making that one up. Okay, so... But the, there is some evidence to say, as far as I know, there's some evidence to say that she did have at least one relationship with okay. a, a real existing man. Now, as you say, that doesn't necessarily rule out the fact she's lesbian. Most people consider her lesbian. Mm. I do too. But I'm just saying we don't okay, know for yeah. certain. And that's going to be a caveat for a lot of these people. We don't know for certain because they're dead and we can't ask them. And even if we could ask them, they probably wouldn't have the... They would have a different understanding and a different vocabulary to talk about this sort of mm. stuff. Famously also, there's the Theban Sacred Band. Now, this was a military unit of about 300 men. And they came from Thebes, which was a sort of city-state in the Greek world. And the idea behind this was that they were all lovers. Oh, um, in Hercules, the animated Disney version, they went mm-hmm. to Thebes. Yeah. I um, just remembered that. Thebes in the ancient Greek world. <laughs> <laughs> so the Theban sacred band. This is, this is my knowledge base. Last year, there was Lord of the Rings down with Disney movie. <laughs> well, now you know that Thebes is a real place. Well, I knew it was a real place already, but oh, well, now go. I know that it's you know the home of... The Theban Sacred Band. Yeah. We actually know where they're buried as well. Um, mm. We found, I say we, it, the mass grave was found some time ago. It's in the Balkans somewhere. Um, but basically what happened was that the Theban um, Sacred Band was set up. And the idea being that you have 150 couples, essentially. And they're going to fight really hard because they don't want their lover to get killed. Mm. Um, as it happens, they were almost all killed in a, a battle the name of which escapes me, and they were thrown in a pit and buried, and centuries later, millennia later, we uncovered the pit, and now we know where the sacred band lies, oh, wow. and there's a monument to them. Um, so we we know for a fact that in the ancient world, homosexuality and non-heterosexual relationships were normal. Mm. Um, the Romans considered them, and some Greek cultures, considered them, certainly homosexual relationships between men, to be shameful if you were the same sort of age the correct homosexual relationship was an older man and a younger boy and i do use the word boy and in fact um greek writers often uh criticize this um wait so i'm confused we're talking pedophiles pederasty okay so the idea was you'd have a, a you know adolescent boy probably you know 12 and up um, into late teens, and they would be essentially like a junior partner. Well, that doesn't sound like homosexuality. That sounds like pedophilia. Well, yes, but also it's like, again, depending on the on the culture at the time, um, certain areas saw that as like a normal relationship. Okay. So we correctly see it as a bad thing, and I want to stress this, it's a bad thing. Yeah, and just... contemporary writers also saw it as a bad thing. And I also want to like make sure to... that we're not conflating yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not. I don't, I don't to, just, not. I'm just talking about <laughs> queer relationships and, and how those cultures at the time saw what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. Right, yeah. So that to, say, for example, an Athenian someone from Athens, that would have been an acceptable homosexual relationship. An unacceptable homosexual relationship would have been two men. That's um, really weird. It is odd, but it's a it's one of these things, like it's a culture, and a culture from you know, two, three thousand years ago. Yeah. So their concept of what is and isn't, you know, 
the norm and well, isn't isn't right. What it's was different. what was wrong with the like two men? Well, because basically the Athenians and, and the ancient world, <clears throat> but ancient Greeks in particular, really hated women. Okay. So we're not just talking like your garden variety women are bad, but this is like really, really hated women. Right. This is the incels of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like to a some at quite an incredible level. Um, not. Some other cultures, like Sparta, didn't, but we'll get into that. The Athenians in particular is who we're talking about now. Mm. Um, so for them, if you're two gay men, one of you is taking it up the bum. And that makes you like a woman. And that's bad. Right? Right. But if you're talking about, like, a teenage boy, well, that's fine, because they're not a man yet. This is still right? making me uncomfortable, because... It, yeah, and I don't really want to dwell on it, but I just want to talk about how... Would because that kind of also insinuates that homosexuality is stems from like hatred of women. Yeah, and it doesn't. I'm just I'm just talking. I'm just trying to talk about like how the how that Athenian culture saw these things at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I'm just I'm just wondering how that relates to, like, because would you would you? I guess my question is like, would you call that homosexuality? Well, this is this because... is what I'm leading to. Okay. So with all that in mind. We also know that even in these cultures that saw these homosexual relationships as being somehow a bit weird or not on because it means that one of you is going to be a woman and women are bad, like, we know that there were plenty of homosexual people. Mm. Plenty of, like, Alexander the Great, famous bisexual. Mm. Um, Wait, really? I didn't know that he was Oh, yeah, Alexander the Great shagged his way around the world as well as conquering most of it. Mm. Um, He married several women um but he also spent his entire life essentially with a guy called i want to say patroclus maybe wrong i think it's patroclus anyway alexander's best friend gay lover um and these two guys were well known to be in a relationship and spent their entire lives in a relationship together again this is something that was covered up by later scholars um <clears throat> because you couldn't have Alexander the Great, in renowned figure who's mythologized all across the world and gave his name can't to the city of Alexandria. Can't have him queer. Exactly, you can't have him being queer. That would be weird and wrong. Julius Caesar, another famous bisexual, he was mocked roundly by contemporaries for being a bottom. That was used against him politically. It didn't stick because Caesar was a you know, extremely um, able politician and also backed things up with the use of force. It's almost like gay people can be politicians. Right, exactly. What a concept. Yeah, I mean, we're talking here about... The, the, the other thing to note is that these are people who we know about now, today, because, you know, thousands of years ago they did incredible things. Whether or not those incredible things are, like, morally right... I mean, I'm not sure I, for one, can particularly, you know, think Alexander the Great was a, <laughs> a you know, an upstanding and fine individual. He was great. He was great, yeah. He was great because he murdered his way across the known world. Um, well, an upstanding fella. Exactly. But it's just a thing of, like, these are people that we know about, who we know for certain are definitely not straight. Um, looking at other parts of the world, <clears throat> there are... You know, Chinese emperors who had gay relationships. And um, in fact, again, Chinese history isn't my strong suit. 
apologies in advance. However, um, there's a very famous incident where one Chinese emperor falls asleep with his lover next to him. And when he wakes, when the emperor wakes up, his lover is still asleep and his lover is lying on this on the emperor's silk uh, gown. So in order to free himself and stand up without waking his lover, he cuts the very expensive silk gown so he can stand up without waking the lover. That's adorable. It is. Really lovely story. Again, deeply unpleasant person. He's emperor of China. Probably a bad guy. Won't get into that. But... Um, he had the cute story about Yeah, he had the cute story. And, and, you know, we know for a fact, because these these stories of these very famous, very powerful individuals passed down through history... We know that, you know, gay people, lesbians, bisexual people have been with us forever. Now, to go to a topic which is, should not be, but is at the moment in this country, quite contentious. Trans people. Hooray. Um, We both identify as part of the trans umbrella. Um, We're both a variant of non-binary with a little white strip in the trans flag. So I just want to put that on the table as well. But trans people have definitely also always been around. Um, again, different cultures have handled trans and gender non-conforming people very differently. And um, what I want to touch on now is not have trans people been around. They have been. But how imperial states and the British Empire in particular did a damn good job of really badly damaging different cultures' understanding of trans people and queer people. Okay. Um, Because I think that's quite important. Did we have a good understanding of trans people and non-binary people before the British Empire kind of came along and f***ed everything up? So, different cultural groups and different societies across the world have had different understandings about gender and different ideas of how to perform gender and how to um, conform to ideas of gender. Mm. Um, And I don't really want to go into too much detail about that because I don't know enough about it to do it with any um, delicacy, basically, because Mm. a lot of this stuff has been really badly damaged and destroyed by the actions, deliberate actions, of particularly the British Empire. So, mm. as a... Rough... It's almost, um, sorry to interrupt, it's almost ironic that um, J.K. Rowling is British then to, <laughs> yeah. you know, cement her evil, terrible transphobia yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. cross. You know? So... <laughs> as a British person. <laughs> so just to give, like, a... a a rough idea of the sort of thing that went on. Um, when the British Empire took over big chunks of Africa in the 19th century, the first set of people that went out there to these countries and places that were being you know, colonised and, and brought into the imperial fold would be mostly soldiers and explorers. The next lot of people, or very close on their heels would be missionaries bringing the word of the good lord or specifically the anglican church um and also there were presbyterians and protestants and catholics and you name it there were missionaries for it 
and they were bringing a form of Christianity that had developed over you know, just by that point nearly 2,000 years that was extremely um, homophobic and racist and sexist and all these terrible things and it was mixed in with concepts of um, you know that, that white empires were doing God's work and bringing light and truth and reason to people um, none of this was true of course but it was what they felt they were doing what they saw themselves as doing so because they were white they thought they had some kind of yeah, I mean, it's essentially the idea is wrapped up with concepts of, like, divine right and mm. um, that, you know, they're bringing the word of the Lord to the heathen and all this sort of stuff. Yeesh. And one of the things they do is they actively suppress uh, anything that isn't heterosexual relationships. Right. So there are plenty of groups of people that have, um, you know gay people as a totally normal thing they're just that's your relationship you're in a gay relationship you're lesbians you're whatever it's fine um equally trans people perform you know people who decide that the gender that they perform will be female or male or a different gender some societies had lots of different genders and different roles for people in those genders um and all of this is destroyed and washed away by colonization um, and you can see this today in the really, really aggressively homophobic laws of many of these countries in Africa um, that penalise homosexuality with death, for mm. example. And a lot of people see this as being some kind of terrible moral failing of those countries and the people in those countries. And actually all it is is it's a remnant of the British Empire. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's our laws that did that. It's our... Is the, the British Empire's impact, and it's you, you know the Caribbean is notorious for being really unsafe if you're LGBTQ. Um, mm. Cuba is a notable uh, um, exception, and even they had a point in the sort of sixties where they were putting queer people into camps. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it was the British Empire that kind of. Yeah, and came it's along not, and... not just the British Empire. The British Empire is the worst offender because we controlled so much of the world. Yeah. But the other empires did the same thing because right. they're bringing their own civilization And their own religion. And their own religion yeah. and their own concepts of what gender is and how to be the relevant gender you mm. are and what sex is and how to think about sexuality and all of this. And it's all imposed on these different societies. And then as those societies you know, come out from underneath the various empires as those empires fall away. Excuse me, as those empires fall away, the laws and uh, impact of them remain. Mm. Um, and you see that across the world. Um, you can see it in North America, in, in Canada and in the United States, where the impact of aggressive Christian colonisation and government programs to destroy first nations people in canada and to destroy um indigenous peoples in in the united states mm. a core part of that is destroying pre-existing understanding of sexuality and gender that doesn't conform to christian model right um and they do this. i think we should just make it quick clear at this point like 
if because I know that we have a diverse group of listeners and like this isn't a bash on Christianity. No. This isn't like if you're Christian then you're bad. This is just this is a history. This yeah, is yeah, history. Yeah. Yes. This is unfortunately I, 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 a, a, a frustrating side effect of, of some elements of hist of, of Christianity from the past. Yes, exactly. And, and I also like, don't, I also don't want to focus specifically on Christianity mm. as being like the culprit because it's not really the culprit it's just that as with all <laughs> short side note as with all religions um they can be used in different ways people tend to use them to their own you know they'll they'll just use justifications that don't exist in the actual text yeah, exactly and um, a, 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 another to commit atrocities. Yeah, exactly. And another similar effect can be seen in the Arab world and the Muslim world with different interpretations of the Quran and the Hadiths and the, the um, Surah. Um, where you, in the medieval period, um, homosexuality was pretty normal. To, well, homosexuality existed and wasn't punished. Mm. Let's put it that way. Um, we know about um, homosexual relationships that were being had by poets and, and writers because they wrote about them. Um, we know that, for example, various um, important people were involved in homosexual relationships and that this wasn't unusual, it wasn't frowned upon or anything, it was just, just was. People were gay. Um, unfortunately, as with many um, or you know, large organised religions, there are waves of um, interpretation that come and go mm. and so throughout the Islamic period of you know, the Islamic golden age and the, the tail end of that you have this struggle between different interpretations of the Quran and different ideas of what it means to be a Muslim and that sounds familiar exactly yeah you, you get the same thing you know in the Christian world and, and across India, Hinduism and all this stuff. It's just people being people, basically. Um, but the upshot of all of this is that for fundamentalist groups, um, Wahhabis, um, people who get involved in you know, various different sects or, or groups within Islam, you can be... There are, there are some very extreme reactions to queer people. Mm. Um and there are plenty of queer Muslims. There just are. Same as there's plenty of queer Christians and queer Buddhists and queer Hindus and, and queer Jews people. and trans... Yeah, exactly. And trans Muslims and all, all those sorts of people. They all exist. We always have. The problem is that as Islam spreads across the world throughout the medieval period, um, again, because it's a colonising imperialist project as well as being a religion, it overrides and destroys pre-existing cultures and societies. Mm. When the Mughals invade India, bringing Islam to India, they are horrified by Hindu temples that show, you know, in great detail, lovingly carved across the faces of the temples, um, loads of sex. Um and Hindu ideas of sexuality and um, gender and all this sort of stuff. And that's big, you know, temples are raised to the ground and people are killed and, you know, texts are destroyed and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, 
And again, that leaves behind in its wake, even once all this passes and dies down, it leaves behind in its wake damaging and violent and then oppressive laws and ideas. Mm. So to come back to the point about why have gay you know have gay people always existed why do we appear why does it seem as though we appear suddenly in the 20th century essentially after all these imperial projects fail mm. um they leave behind a legacy of obfuscation oppression and destruction right and history is deliberately clouded over people deliberately misinterpret or even just don't even talk about or destroy or hide things that go against what is supposed to be the excuse me, supposed to be the case right um so for example to go back to the egyptologists who denied the existence of the gay couple um equally you know there were um there were cases where evidence of you know homosexual romans was destroyed or hidden um evidence of different cultures and different societies even having had any non-heterosexual past is hidden destroyed Mm. um or uh, ignored um and then as these empires disappear people are trying to get back in touch with their own societies and their own cultures and their own histories Mm. and so people look back and find these things and also people being people they're still gay, they're still yeah. lesbian, they're still yeah. bisexual, they're still trans. They don't still... necessarily need the history of it to be able to be, yeah, exactly. to be gay. You know, so the, these people, we all still exist, we're all still here. But now there's no overarching imperial project oppressing that group and saying, no, you can't, and we'll throw you in jail or we'll kill you or whatever. Well, I mean, there are there in some is. places, yes, but my sort of overall point is that. As people become more able to talk about things, so you are more able to talk about stuff and you become more visible. And being more visible isn't the same as suddenly appearing. It just means that suddenly talking about it. Right, yeah. In a, in a way that isn't immediately crushed. Yeah. And especially um, with the internet as well, like you can talk about it so freely now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess, I guess that answers the question quite neatly then. It's just that we're better at we're more able to talk about who we are and who like what our gender is and what our sexuality is and um right. yeah exactly yeah which is kind of really an obvious answer i yeah, guess i guess i mean it isn't it isn't obvious answer on one hand but also it's important to understand that you know that, that history is really multifaceted mm. and it's a fantastic wonderful history and i really recommend that you go out and you look into you know your own no matter where in the world you are, what country you're in, you know, look at the history of that country, look for the individuals who were queer, because some of them got really incredible stories, um, particularly the ones that survive, usually mm. because they survive because they're so out of the ordinary and so incredible. Mm. They're not the run of the mill, you know, the butcher down the road who's gay and in a relationship with the, you know, the poacher or whatever, because um, these are the stories of the people that don't survive. And the majority of people's stories don't survive throughout history. Yeah. You know, most people are poor. As most people are essentially, quote unquote, irrelevant. They don't have stories written about them. They aren't told about them. There was a really beautiful, I think I saw it on Tumblr, um, of all places. Um, 
it, I can't remember how it goes now, but it was essentially it, like letters that people wrote years ago, um, sort of, you know, uh, lamenting over the fact that people like, like, like this is particular, in particular, this was a gay man, people like him, you know, he, he, there's not, any, there's never going to be any stories like, around, like for him, like mm-hmm. there's, like, there were no stories for him, mm-hmm. there were no like people who were similar. No, he will never be able to read about like you know his um fellow like gay people um because it's such a fringe it was such a fringe sort of idea yeah i mean um, not just that it's a fringe idea but it is actively persecuted yeah i think that's the important thing is that it's, the reason people think that we suddenly spring from nowhere is because for a very long time not being straight was actively persecuted mm. and you ended up in jail or dead and you just hid it. And that's still a massive thing that it's happens. Still a I huge mean issue. think about what's happening to trans people across the exactly. UK right now. Like, you know, we've we we're losing rights, um that there's so much abuse, like in real life as well as online. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm not sure how much COVID is kind of like impacting the real world abuse of people or people are experiencing on the street, <laughs> but you know, it's still going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also important to note that there's lots of different countries that have lots of different approaches to things. So look into that as well. And you know, people are a lot of people are aware that, for example, being gay in Russia is probably not a fun thing. But mm-hmm. you know, Chechnya pretty recently was chucking queer people into prison camps um and murdering them and stuff like that they deny it but it was going on um and i suspect still is mm. you know there are countries that you know um in in iran for example there's a very large number of gender reassignment surgeries take place mm. um not because they've got an oddly high proportion of trans people but because it's illegal to be gay oh wow so what happens is that you will find gay men will have gender reassignment surgery so that they, so that they don't get killed. Bloody hell, that's... Um, yeah. And this sort of stuff is, you know, still going on. And in those countries and in the parts of the world where, and that, you know, even in some neighbourhoods <laughs> where being queer is going to get you beaten up or killed or in jail or whatever... Um, we're still hidden and it's still something that isn't really talked about Mm. so things like when we have pride parades and when we you know have people who are flamboyantly gay or things like that and sort of you know it's in your face and all this other stuff actually it's not really it's just a very (laughs) small number of people for that day maybe it's in your face but considering for the rest of the time it's not in your face exactly get over it yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) Go over it. But the thing, the thing is, think to bring that back to the question. Really, it's like the the amount of progress that's taken place in across the world, and, and particularly in in Western Europe and the West, inverted commas, um, over the last well half century, seventy years, is huge. Mm. Um, there's still a long way to go. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; still a huge way to go. For the whole world, not just you know, Britain, Britain yeah. but for the whole world. 
But that's why we seem to have sprung from nothing, is because actually we weren't allowed to talk about ourselves. Mm. We had to hide ourselves. There's loads of people throughout history that, for example, cross-dressed, or you know, lots of women that went to war as men. There were um, Dr. James Barry is a very famous example. He was a man who um, was a senior British medical officer, very important in the British Army and also in the development of medical science and technology mm. and you know, really very uh, clever, knowledgeable man, did loads of really important stuff, probably trans man. Mm. Um, and we only know that because contrary to his wishes, when he died, they looked. Right. Um, and, you know, they did some other stuff and, and people found out that he was trans. Mm. Um, now, again, Barry never said, I'm a trans man. But he lived his entire life as a man. Yeah. He died as a man. Mm. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that's plenty of evidence that James Barrow is a trans Yeah, man. I mean, if he says he's a man, he's a man. He's a man, he's a man. There we go, that's all you need. There's, there's lots of people, still, sadly, who insist on misgendering him. Um, and there's plenty of people throughout history that have similar stories. They present and they live as women, they live as men their entire lives. Um, until they fall ill or they're injured or they die and and then people misgender them. Mm. Um, now, as I said at the beginning, we don't really know how those people saw themselves, mm. whether they saw themselves as just, for example, you know, James Barry was dressing as a man calling himself Barry and all the rest of it, James Barry and all the rest of it, because he wanted to have the same opportunities that, you know, other people did mm. and that he would have been denied access to as a... You know, um, as other as many women were, um, we don't know that for certain. But mm. I can make a pretty confident and educated guess that actually Colonel James Barry was a man. Um, so to sort of bounce off James Barry, uh, I also wanted to talk briefly about um, a couple of other people. Um, also, I'd like to apologise for the Eurocentricity of this episode. Most of the queer people that I know about um, are from Europe. And, that's a, a, a gap in my knowledge. Anyway, Julie Daubeny um, was a French sort of aristocrat in the 17th century, 1600s, and is infamous um, on internet circles anyway for being massive badass and also a bisexual. Um, so the sort of TLDR of her story is that she married a guy didn't really like the marriage, so just bailed. Um, but she was also, as a child and as a young woman, she'd been taught to fence, to sword fight, by some extremely adept um, sword masters. Mm. And so she made a living for a while, basically walking up to people in the street and going, I challenge you, sir, to a duel for that money. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and people would sort of look at this woman and go, all right then, and lose. Um, and she would do this for cash um, and she also did hilarious things like she fell in love with this woman who was also an aristocrat and they had a relationship and the relationship was discovered and Daubeny's lover was sent to a convent to get rid of her and to prevent the relationship from going anywhere mm. so Daubeny then joins the same convent has sex with her lover in the convent obviously because they're in the convent together 
And then they break out. And the way they break out is they get the dead body of a nun who's previously died, put it in Daubeny's bed, and set fire to the bedroom. Whoa. Right? Oh my god. So, so faked. faked the she death faked of at least one of these people. I can't remember if it was Daubeny faking her own death or the death of her lover, but they faked someone's death anyway. Set fire to the nunnery in the process and escaped. Oh wow. That relationship ended up uh, it, it broke eventually, broke up eventually, but and she ended up marrying a guy, a count, I think, who was also, by the sound of it, um, some somewhat of a uh, uh, eccentric, shall we say, um, and he was perfectly happy for them both to go off and have various liaisons. They loved each other very deeply, as far as we can make out, but equally, Daubeny spent most of her life sort of gallivanting around, um, having sword fights with people for money. She killed a few people as well for, like, dissing her essentially um and she i think she killed at least one person who attempted to there's uh, my memory is, is hazy on this point you may have guessed but i'm pretty sure she killed at least one person who attempted to um get into a relationship with her lover the woman that she broke into the, the broke out of the nunnery um, <laughs> That's such a cool story. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, she was, you know, absolute gallivant and and uh, bon vivant and. What does that know, mean? Um, lived well. And, oh, okay. And um, you know, expert swordswoman and all this sort of stuff and mm. bisexual. Um, and the other person I wanted to talk about very briefly was um, Alan Turing, um, mm. who famous very famous famous story. Very famous, and it's about a lot of you. Exactly, it's about a lot of you know about Alan Turing, and how his work really helped. Um, essentially, was played, played a key part in the intelligence war against Nazi Germany during the Second World War. And um, it's not—it's not a particularly big exaggeration to say that without Turing's work, then a lot of the stuff that happened wouldn't have gone the same way. Mm. The war would have dragged on for some longer time and many more people would have died and as thanks he was chemically castrated and eventually committed suicide um well you know that's what being gay got you in the late 1940s <clears throat> i was gonna make a sarcastic comment then but i yeah, felt like bit, it it's was... a bit difficult to make sarcastic comments about yeah. stuff like this yeah it's so, kind of hard um i think um so that that was really just sorry to talk over you but, it's fine. Um, it's fine. It's the, the, the point about that was those two very different lives and those two very different people, separated by, you know, three hundred years and change and two different countries, is that it illustrates that actually, you know, us queers have been around for a very long time doing lots of very different things. Um, most of us will die in obscurity, just like most of everyone else, mm. and our stories will be lost to time um it's imperative on us as queer people as people who are interested in history i think to learn about you know the past not just as a this is interesting but in a uh, in order to understand the sorts of things that happened to people like us in the past to see how far we've come as a society and as people and to see how far we've got to go. Mm. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about as well, just in terms of why I wanted to talk about this. Obviously, it's LGBTQIA plus History Month. 
and so this was a really good sort of like excuse to make this episode but also i think as somebody who like identifies in the lgbtqia plus sort of community um i don't really know a lot about queer history and like i know about like i know about stonewall because that's like a buzzword almost it's like you know we know about like the riots that happened and and the protests but other than that it's like there's no collective knowledge about our history and that's so sad and Hmm. it's just i mean it's 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 heartbreaking just because we need to know like you know I, i see young young people who are like queer nowadays who don't know about the struggles that people face not even that long ago like mm. a couple like a couple of decades ago went through horrible things mm. because like of the oppression that that we faced um people people died on like like the aids pandemic mm. people like died like countless people died like in in queer communities and that sort of like not shrugged off now by younger people who might not know about it but I say younger people who don't know about it but like anybody who doesn't know about it and we really need to understand like we've we've suffered an astronomical amount as you know lgbt people for hundreds of years and yeah that needs to we need to know about this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, just to build on that part of the reason that we don't really have a very good understanding particularly of very modern queer history is because of things like the AIDS pandemic, particularly in America, um, which, you know, initially was gay identifying disease, you know, geek grids. Um, it killed you know, huge numbers of people, uh, queer people, gay men, bisexual men, women, um, you know, loads and loads and loads and loads of people died. Um, it's perfectly treatable now. You get AIDS, not a problem. There's lots of medicine that, I wouldn't say it's not a problem, but it's, well, it's manageable. It's, it's a very manageable illness. They killed somebody of it recently, didn't they? Yeah, you know, I think a couple of people have been cured mm. of it now. But, but the, the sort of central point, though, is that that has left a gap in our understanding of our own queer cultures and, and societies. And, of course, you know, going back to the thing about imperialism and oppression and stuff, and just a quick touch on intersectionality, essentially, that, you know... We talk about queer people, and I've talked about queer people throughout across the world and throughout time in this episode. And something that's quite important, and I probably should have banged on more about, but actually that, that intersection of queer identity and other identities, so you know, queer women, trans people, um, their religion, their ethnic groups, their you know, people have been affected not just by being queer, but by being queer and black, or by mm. being you know, um, queer Jewish people, queer Muslim people, queer, um, you know... <laughs> if you're not white and also queer, you're going to have extra... A hard time, yeah. hard yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, On top exactly. of being, you know, not white. Like a, a, quite a good example or illustration of this is that um, there are some very famous, at least in Britain anyway, there are some famous people, like a chap called Matthew Paris, who's often on Radio 4, um, gay man, gay white guy. Um, I believe I'm correct in saying was at one point a Tory MP. Um, if he wasn't a Tory MP, he's uh, a Tory. Um, and the Tory party has got quite a lot of gay men in. Um, 
and that's used by a lot of people or, or the, the experience of rich white gay people rich white lesbians is used a lot to sort of say oh well there's no problem of course there is a problem there's, you know, there's plenty of problems it's just it doesn't necessarily happen to you if you're rich and white it happens to you if you're poor and black or you know asian or muslim or jewish or you know the intersection of identity is important mm. um and that's something that we needed to touch on and i think it's really important because like obviously we're both white and british mm. um and we have certain privileges that you know we need to like be aware of but yeah not just be aware of but also like for example like this podcast in general like we we can talk about stuff like this and bring awareness to it and i think people like if you are listening and you are a white person especially like a, a wealthy white person or somebody who's in like a position to do so like educate yourself about these things um especially like um not just like lgbt history that is obviously important and if you're straight like please go and research lgbt history but uh, as well but also like the history of of people who aren't white and, and racism in this country and and, in, and like in general mm. because we have a responsibility as white people in general to make the world better for like people and not in, like in a white savior way because that's i feel like how i might be coming across yeah, a little yeah. bit <laughs> <laughs> that's right, so, um, well, white saviors. yeah <laughs> because that's that's bad and like it's not that people of color need that protection because we're you know we're special it's that we have so much privilege and we need to be aware of that and like dissect it yes um because yeah there's so much systematic systematic racism and sexism and um homophobia and transphobia and and we need like if you have some kind of privilege it's your responsibility to do something about it and also to understand it and understand the impact it has mm. on the on you know how you journey through the world. Mm. Um, I also wanted to make this episode like episode two, so that it's really early on. People like if you're listening and you are like LGBTQIA plus, um, like if you know if you're any one of those like acronyms or if you identify as like a, a marginalised group in any way, like we support you and like. Yeah, I want to be. I want to try and use this to kind of talk about these things more. If like, if Patrick is like aware of stuff, and can, like we can pick about pick apart stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think it's so important, especially now. Yeah. Um, I also just briefly want to sort of bounce off that a little bit, um, and talk about how being queer isn't a get out of jail free card either. Mm. So there's a few people. I suspect quite a lot of people actually think that being queer gives them a license to be, you know, racist or. I don't think that's way. because, like, yeah. Well, can I just like, finish my point? Yeah, sorry. Um, and actually, like, having one marginalised identity doesn't enable you to then behave in an unpleasant and oppressive way um, towards other people. Be intersectional in your... Yes, be intersectional in your, your feminism and your um, thinking. Um, and one last final little anecdote about gay people throughout history before we close down the episode. <laughs> kind of gone off, gone off on a tangent. Yeah, so, so just, just one last <laughs> thing. Right. Like, um, so gay people have existed throughout history, throughout time, across the world, um, 
forever and will continue to do so as long as there are people. Um, in fact, probably as long as there are animals because there's plenty of incidences of homosexuality in the animal kingdom. Did you see that thing about the, the gay penguins who have adopted another, yeah, another exactly. baby? That was really sweet. Um, another egg, sorry. So, yeah. So, um, I think that's the TLDR of this. TLDL? Um, <laughs> TLDL. <laughs> TLDL. Yeah, TLDL. Um, the, the short answer to why have LGBTQIA plus people sprung out of nowhere is we haven't. We're starting to develop a language to talk about ourselves and that that's only really been taking place over the last three quarters of a century. I'm really over the end, like the internet blowing up uh, has been like a massive benefit for LGBTQIA plus people because suddenly we actually have a place like I talked about this a little bit before but we suddenly have a place where we can actually like talk to people like like-minded people and um, you know people who are, are struggling in the similar sort of way um, and that's massively helpful um, so yeah 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 so yeah I mean um, to touch back on something I said uh, earlier on you know i really do encourage you to go and look at the stories of the, the queer people that have survived and that have come down through the ages because they're fascinating and brilliant and packed with all sorts of people like julie Dilbany uh, and james barry who did you know incredible amazing things um some some less incredible and amazing than yeah, others <laughs> that's a story of people but um, but yeah we've been here forever in all cultures in all societies at all times and we will continue to be, um, and hopefully in the future we will have a brighter future with a better and wider language to talk about. Got ourselves. to fight for it, but yeah. yeah, I think I think this has been a very rambly episode uh, because this is something that like I'm personally very passionate about. Um, I think it's such an important topic, and I've I've often found that LGBT history isn't really packaged in a very like accessible way. I guess like there's not really any. That I've seen anyway, um, resources that really like explain like our history. Um, so I think you know this is this has been a bit rambly, but <laughs> I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, thank you again so much for everyone who's been listening. Um, please continue uh, commenting on uh, and reaching out to us and, and letting us know what you think about our podcast. Correct, Patrick, if they're wrong, because you know when I'm wrong, when. <laughs> because <laughs> i'm sure it's you know and i'm i'm I don't, i've said some stuff this episode that is probably going to be wrong as well and you know we we never claim perfection or uh immaculate knowledge um we just want to put the information out there and make it a bit more, inter- more easier for people to read and learn about so um yeah thank you so much for listening and if you have any more questions uh let me know in the comments i'm acting like this is a youtube video (laughs) (laughs) and i'll see you next time bye guys bye